He's got a story. But you know, every one of us have a story. Some of you have had some real pain in the story of your life. And maybe you've had that moment when you said, God, where are you? Anybody ever said that? Surely no good can come from this miserable thing that I'm experiencing here. And each of you could come up here and you could sit down here and you could tell us your story. And some of you would be glad to do that. And some of you would say, my story is my business. And you wouldn't want to be here at all. I, I can't tell everybody my whole story. I should not. I should not tell everybody my whole story because there's three parts to every story. We've got that beginning and we've got that end and then we got the thing that we leave out. But here's the thing. Everything that you have gone through in your life has served a purpose. Everything, everything. When we put our life in God's hands, what we can know is he will work things for good even when they're so doggone hard for us that we think we can't stand it. Later, you'll look back and be able to see the good. Remember when you were a kid? I remember we went to Grandpa's Pond, me and my cousins. They were all St. Louis guys, and they'd come down, and I'd take them down to the pond. I was the country girl, you know. And we would get the biggest rocks that we could to throw into the pond and make the biggest splash that we could and then see the rings that just ripples, 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 and see who could get the biggest ripple who could make the biggest splash. And sometimes we'd try to count the ripples, and sometimes we'd time them, how long they would last. We just had a big time with that. Every event in your life has a ripple. One leads to another, to another, and it spreads, and it spreads. Have you discovered that there were ripples to your good deeds, and there were ripples to your bad deeds? And once you threw the stone, there was no way to stop them going to happen. Young David, oh, he was given such courage from the Lord as a young man. And he said to Goliath, how dare you taunt the God of Israel? The Lord will give you into my hands this day. Remember that? Ripples. What are the ripples? Well, first of all, Goliath fell. And then the Philistines ran. But then also, David found out that he earned favor with the people of Israel that he needed because he was going to be king. And he gained entrance into a court from that, where one day he would be in charge. A good deed resulting in good ripples. But then remember this, remember when David lied to the priest at Nob? Remember that? And he said, I'm on a mission. I'm from King Saul. He knows I'm here. He knows I'm here. Give us bread. And then he said, give us a sword. Remember it was the sword of Goliath. Remember that? Ripples? Well, the priest and his whole city Men, women, and children were all put to the sword. David had to live with that. Godly men died because of his lie, a bad deed with ripples. There's an example in, in 2 Kings that really speaks to us. There's a wealthy woman called a Shumanite, a Shunammite. Remember that? When Elisha walked through her area, she would have food for him. Uh, it became a regular stop. He was glad about it because there weren't any McDonald's around. So she cooked him a meal, and it was an offering. It seemed small, but it caused ripples that just went on and on. You have no idea how the little obediences that you do, God will change things for you with little obediences. And then one day, maybe she just rolled over in bed and told her husband, I think we should build this guy a room. 
and let's just put in a bed and a, a lamp and a table and, and a, let, let's just let him stop by here and sleep. She had no ideas of the, of the ripples that were coming. She just had a nudging. She had this feeling about Elisha. He was a man of God, and she wanted to be close to the anointing. We understand that, don't we? So she said, let's build him a room, and maybe on these journeys he will stop here. Well, she might have thought she was doing something nice for God, but the truth is God was getting ready to do something very nice for her. She had a house, and she had a bank account, and she had a husband, but she didn't have a child. You know, stuff doesn't tell our whole story, does it? You can be rich and so empty. It's more than what you wear. It's more than what you weigh. It's more than what neighborhood you happen to be raised in. By the way, some really weird kids grow up in fancy neighborhoods, don't they? You know that, don't you? Elijah went to sleep one night in this comfortable bed that the woman had provided, thinking, what can I do for her? And she was thinking, what can I do for him? And Elisha called her in, and Elisha says, what can I do for you? And she said, I'm fine. You know, she didn't have a list. What she'd done wasn't for a gift. I'm fine. But how she longed for a baby. Can I put this into the 21st century? Because some of you have experienced this. How many times had she been to Walmart to buy a pregnancy test thinking this is it? And then felt the emptiness of another failure. And Elisha says with a grin to her, next time you go to Walmart, instead of getting that test, why don't you just buy some blue paint? And she would say, blue paint, don't you like the color of your room? And he'd say, next time I come and next year, a year from now, you're going to have a little boy. Oh, get you some blue paint. And she did. See, it was just like she had made a room for God when she provided for one his children because the scripture tells us what you do for the least of these, my children, you've done it unto me. So God was pleased with her. That baby grew up. Those, those puppies grow into dogs, don't they? That boy was in the field and told his dad he had a headache. And then he collapsed. And the dad did what all dads really want to do, take him to his mama. We like the story in now, but that, that child died on her lap. And you say, wait a minute. He, he was a gift. He was a special gift. And sometimes, girls, even the dreams that God births will die or seem to die. Well, now she's got a decision to make. And she decides that she will take this child to the place where the promise was conceived. When you get stuck in a bad scene, hurry back to the one who's authoring your story, which we must always do. And she laid that dead child on Elisha's bed. And then she headed out to get Elisha. And when she got there, she fell at his feet. Now, Gehazi tried to push her away. His servant tried to stop her. But she wasn't going anywhere. And Elisha knew she had come with an intent. And so he got up, the old man did, and followed her. And he laid down on that child in that very room that had been built for him. And the next thing we know, that boy sneezes seven times and gets up totally restored, resurrected. When God breathes into your story, some things will be resurrected. But here's the deal. If that boy hadn't died, 
the woman would have never seen the power of God in a resurrection. And she may not have cherished her boy like she did once she experienced life without him because sometimes we don't know what we got till we lose it. It seems like that story is over. I think this is so interesting because the Bible leaves the Shumanite woman in chapter 4. And you think it's all over with. And he moves on to, it moves on to something else. But surprise, there's more ripples in chapter 8. Don't stop at chapter 4, okay? There's more. Don't stop when God does something in your life. Always know there's more. There's more. So the hand of God is still on her life. And we find out in chapter 8 that there's been a seven-year famine Elisha had told the woman about the famine and said, the woman whose son he had brought back to alive, he told her to leave the country. Now, Elisha could not have called her the woman whose son had been brought back to life if she hadn't had to go through the pain of watching her boy die. Some of the worst scenes make the most excellent stories. Some of the chapters that you would have left out of your life are the very chapters that have brought you into a new understanding of how great our God is. She took her family to, guess where? To the Philistines. Does that sound familiar from our study here? The Bible said this, God sent a famine. Our God is constantly working with his kids, reminding them, I am God and there's no other. God will bless you, and he will. But he's the same God that will allow you to go through things, will allow you to see a famine, and you'll carry a burden, and you know what will happen? It'll strengthen your back. It'll make you humble, and everything will become different in your life as a result of the burden that you learn to carry. God will bless you when the economy is up, and our God will bless you when the economy is down. And he will bless you when friends love you, and he will bless you when friends forsake you. The miracle's not that God could prevent the famine. The miracle is that God is the one that carried her through it. So she left her home and she went to a far country, the Philistines, for seven years. And while she was gone, her land was confiscated, this wealthy woman. And when she came back and she saw that all was gone, where'd she go? Well, straight to the king. I love this old gal. She went to straight to Elisha first and said, give me, bring my boy back. And then she went straight to the king. I want what is mine, what's rightfully mine, right into the king's court. You've been there when your only hope was to get to the king and you needed to go boldly, give your request, make it known unto God. And as she came in, a great coincidence was happening. I love God's coincidences, don't you? As she was walking in the door, guess what? The king was talking to Gehazi, the servant Elisha. My, my. He's standing there, and the king has just said, this is in the Bible, it's really in there. The king has just said, tell me the stories about the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi just happening to, happened to be telling the king about a boy who had been brought back to life. And at that very moment, the mother of the boy walks in, and her need collided with God's provision. And Gehazi said, wait a minute, who do I see? Well, by golly, that's her. And the king says, who? The woman that made the casseroles and provided the room. It's her. She's right there. The woman who had the boy that died. I'm telling you, she's her and she's here. Well, that full circle woman had walked in. What she did in chapter 4 is waiting for her in chapter 8. So here's the story. Listen to it in a nutshell. 
She made a meal. She built a room. She gained a son. She lost a son. She got him back. She left town. She came back. She lost her property. She goes to the king. She walks in. And right there, Gehazi says to her, hey, I I'm telling you, this is her and her miracle, her boy. Standing right there with her. So what happens? Well, everything was restored to her. Ripples. Ripples. Here's what I'm after for us this morning. Do the thing that is in front of you to do. Don't shirk. Do it. Listen for nudgings. How you do it or don't do it will channel the story of your life. Take the food. Make the phone call. Do the job at church that you know is yours to do. Send an offering when your heart is prompted. Adopt a kid through a hunger program. Whatever God opens your eyes to do, just do it. Just do it. And remember, if the son hadn't died, would the story end like this? Some ripples are going to feel like they will destroy you. But it wasn't the fact that she had a baby. It was the fact that she lost him. It was the scene that she would have chosen to skip. Does anybody believe that God is working all things together for your good? Does anybody in here believe that? Your story's been told. It's being told now, and it's not over. So here's the final thing I want to say this year. Your story isn't over, okay? Wherever you are in life, whatever your age, your story isn't over. What you still do still causes ripples good or bad ripples. So do the thing in front of you that you know you can do. Do the right thing to do. Do the bold thing to do. Don't ignore the nudgings of God. When the Spirit speaks to your heart, don't put it off until you don't hear anymore. But get up and go get the thing done. You have no idea of what will go on even without your knowledge of it going on. Unseen ripples of your obedience to the nudging of the Holy Ghost. When the nudging happens, God's got something in mind. Don't stifle. Trust in God with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Have you quit listening because you know that? Come on, it's big. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will build your story. Give God a chance to show off in your life. He's looking for somebody to show off in. When God directs your attention to an act, just do it, okay? Just do it. All right, why don't you stand with me?